Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us every week at the same time as we continue to teach the series that we are teaching on the book of Romans. Thank you for helping me to be able to communicate this through so many different ways. You know, what's amazing is, is that we broadcast this on national television, but we also archive all of this in our YouTube channel, and uh, at least for now we do, until maybe we decide we may use these for classes in college. But uh, what we do is we put that available to people on YouTube and also on uh, Spotify and on our podcast. Easy ways to get to that is to go to my website at lynnhiles.com, and that is on the screen if you'd like to go there. And uh, on the upper right-hand corner of the opening screen, there are icons that you can click that will take you directly there. And you can follow us and watch every week. Please subscribe to our page there, and we will let you know every time that we upload a new video, and we do it on a weekly basis. And I, I really believe these teaching tools are powerful, and you have helped me to literally get the gospel around the world with the seeds that you sow into our ministry. So while you're there at the website, there is a link where you can give if you'd like to via PayPal or also a QR code there that you can scan, and it'll take you directly to a place where you can give or get any of our books or materials. I want to come back, though, and talk to you uh, today out of the 11th chapter. We're going to start with the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. Last week, we kind of came back and reviewed to give a springboard into chapter 11 because the uh, Paul the Apostle begins to quote Isaiah. He says, uh, Well, did Isaiah say, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And then he begins to to tell you uh, that you know uh, that the arm of the Lord, basically, I shared with you last week, is the arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. The problem with Israel in Romans chapter ten is they sought it not by faith, but as it were by works. And Israel did not attain to the promises because they stumbled at the stone and the stumbling block, which was Christ. And Isaiah, so Paul is indicting his own countrymen, and he's saying to them, Well, did Isaiah say, I have held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. And so we went in last week then and showed you how that Isaiah 54 picks up where Isaiah 53 left off when he says, Who has believed our report? Well, what report is that? The report is he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was on Him. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have gone everyone into His own way. And then we esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God. But He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. In other words, He's showing you that Jesus was, took all of the sin that we had on us, and if we would simply, as Paul said, receive that by faith, then we could see the arm of the Lord revealed because He still... trying to tell you that you cannot attain this by human effort or works, but you've got to obtain it by believing the report. What report is that? That Jesus was wounded. His death, His burial, His resurrection, 
is what gives you a righteousness which exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. And in Isaiah 54, the latter part, as he begins to declare to them, for this is as the waters of Noah to me, what he's saying to them is that everything that happened in Isaiah 53, he was wounded, he was bruised, chastisement for our peace was on him. He said, that's like the waters of... I view the death of Christ and the burial and the resurrection of Christ like I view the ark of Noah. Jesus was our ark. Even the typology of the ark that I have covered many times on this program is that this ark was made out of shittim wood, and it, it was, he said, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. The word for pitch it there is the Hebrew word that means atonement. What seals us in this ark called Christ and takes us out of an old world dominated by sin and the curse, just like it did with Noah, is we get in Christ. And I talked about how that the, even the dimensions of the ark are 30, which is the blood of Christ. That's what the number 30 means. By 50, which is the number for Pentecost. By 300, which is the number for divine completeness or perfection. So what I'm simply saying is, when you get in Christ, He is your vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and into the new world where God's new creation project is once again rebooted. And God said, I view this as the waters of Noah. In other words, what I'm simply saying to you is that we did not escape the judgment. We were inside of the thing that the judgment fell on. That when He was lifted up from the cross, He drew men into Himself, and everything that we were, He didn't, he, he didn't die so you don't have to. He died because you had to. He died to give you a death to that old world dominated by sin. He got back up from the dead, according to Romans 10, to give us the power of a resurrected life. And then he goes on to say in Isaiah 54, I view this as the waters of Noah, and I'll never be wroth or angry with you. And again, I'll make a covenant of peace. The covenant of peace was the new covenant. And then he goes on to declare in that chapter, single barren, and you did not bring forth. And what you see is that that's a direct quote from Galatians 4 and verse 27, where he tells you that the present Jerusalem was Mount Sinai in Arabia, but the Messianic kingdom of Christ is the one who was barren. And he said, what you can do is sing, because now you're going to have many more children than that she that has the married husband. And then he goes on to say, then you can stand fast in the fact that no weapon formed against you can prosper, and any tongue that rises up against you in judgment or condemnation, you will utterly condemn. And the reason you can condemn it is because, the last part of that verse says, because your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And so when he declares your righteousness is of me, he's talking about new covenant righteousness, that's not based on your performance. Man, that's some good news, but it's based on a gift. He took what you had coming so you could get what He has coming. He took your pain, your suffering, your sin, your iniquity, all of your rebellion, so that if you could simply believe in Him and believe the report, you will see the arm of the Lord revealed, and it will not make you want to go sin. It will make you become fruitful, and you will begin to sing where you were not able to bring forth before. There will be fruit in your life, and see what He's going to address in this, in this 11th chapter of Romans is how the, the, every branch 
that doesn't produce fruit is going to be hewn down and cast into the fire. But the fruit of these branches can only come as you are connected with the right root. So he goes into chapter 11, in Romans 11, says, I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not. I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets, torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at the present time, there is a remnant, watch this, according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What then? Israel hath not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have. The elect of God are those, when Jesus said that the very elect would be deceived if it were possible, the elect He's talking about is that these are the ones that were the remnant that have never bowed their knee to Baal, like Paul, who became some of the first fruits of those brought into the Messianic kingdom of Christ and into the new covenant promises of God. And so, you know, uh, they're the ones that can sing that we're barren. He's declaring to you that they did not receive it, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded, just as it's written. Now, I really believe that, uh, and I don't have time, to, book, of course, to preach the book of Revelation in this segment, but I really believe Revelation 7 and Revelation 14, when he says there were those that were sealed out of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, there was 144,000. Now, I don't know that that's a literal number, but I do believe that he's talking about they were simply, what the Bible says in the book of Revelation, they were the first fruits out of Israel, and the remnant that could sing and that had come into the covenants of promise, they were the ones who were believers who came into the covenants of promise the same way the Gentiles do, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Those who believe the report for the word of faith that we preach is with the heart man believes to salvation, with the mouth confession is made. And he goes, says to, to them that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What I'm simply saying is there's no alternative salvation other than through the blood of Jesus Christ his redemptive work and His finished work is the only way in to the covenants of promise. Verse 7 says, What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded, just as is written. God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and bow down their back always. I say, then, have they stumbled that they should, not, that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? 
For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? I believe that this scripture could also apply to Ezekiel 37, where he was talking about the dry bones and can they live again? He's not talking about the resurrection of a nation in the sense of a nationalistic fulfillment. He's talking about the resurrection of Christ being in operation in both Jew and Gentile. And when he came down to the valley full of dry bones, he said, can they live? And he said, this is the whole house of Israel. But he said, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, come and blow upon these slain. I think it's incredible that in Acts chapter 2, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And there were people there of all nations, tribes, and tongues that heard every man speak in his own language. It was God giving resurrection to the Israel of God that is in Christ. And once again, I'm going to show you in a moment that the seed to whom the promise was made was not seeds of many, but one seed, which is Christ, that Jesus was always the seed to whom, that, that Jesus was always the Israel of God. And let me just tip my hand because I'm going to probably take a whole segment to deal with this. But one of the things that really caught my attention was when he said, uh, when he called Israel out of Egypt and, and uh, under the Old Testament, he said, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. Israel is my firstborn. Under the Old Covenant, the nation of Israel seemed to be the son. Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. But when you come into the New Testament, Joseph and Mary take Jesus down into Egypt to hide from Herod, just like they took many uh, and hid them in the days of Moses to preserve them. Mary and Joseph took Jesus down into Egypt until the death of Herod. And this is what the New Testament says. I'll read these verses to you probably in another segment. He says that when he took them down, when he took Jesus down into Egypt, he says this, so that the scripture might be fulfilled, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. Now that son that he called is none other than Jesus Christ, the seed to whom the promise was made in Abraham. So I'm not preaching replacement theology. I'm preaching placement theology because Jesus was always God's first plan, the seed that would be the blessing of the nations, was not seeds as of many, but in one seed, and that seed, which is Christ. And so if you are in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's how all Israel is being saved, is by being in Christ, who is the Israel of God. As a matter of fact, I think that if you preach that the nation of Israel is the true Israel of God, you are the one that's preaching replacement theology because you are replacing Jesus 
with nationalism or the nationalistic replacement of a nation. And I wonder at times, can we even really prove who truly is a Jew? There's so many mingled among the seeds of men that I don't know that there's even any way to trace the pure lineage of your, uh, your, 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 your heritage. And I believe that's what he was saying even to Nicodemus when he came to Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he says to Nicodemus, Nick, you need to be born again. What he's saying to Nicodemus is, your ethnic background, son, is not enough. You need to be born again. You need to be regenerated because the only place that the seed that has promise is in Christ. All of God's promises are yes and amen. And so he is bringing in the inclusion of the Gentiles because that was the mystery that was hid from ages, was that Christ in and among all of you. In other words, it was the inclusion of the Gentiles was the mystery that was hid from generations. As a matter of fact, when you go back and you look at a lot of the scriptures that we use for predestination, most of them are not talking about who gets predestined to go to heaven and who gets predestined to go to hell. What the scripture talks about in predestination is the fact that God had predetermined that he would bring both Jew and Gentile together in one, hence breaking down the middle wall of partition. But here we are many times preaching a bad theology that puts the middle wall right back up, makes a difference between Jew and Gentile, and half the war in the Middle East is because we keep on making this ethnic uh, uh, you know, uh, division. Now, I'm not anti-Semitic. I am just pro-Jesus. And I'm thankful that out of Israel came the true seed, and out of uh, Abraham came. But see, you need to understand, Abraham was out of Ur of the Chaldees. So he was talking clear back prior to the Mosaic covenant that the Abrahamic covenant, which is a covenant that would operate by faith. See, Jesus fulfilled the Mosaic uh, covenant, but he also fulfills the promises that God made to Abraham, that in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. That was the predestination that God had determined to include both Jew and Gentile into the covenants of promise. And so while he is now including both uh, the Gentiles, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provoke you to jealousy. Uh, he said, I'm hoping that by going to the Gentiles, it will provoke you to kind of get up and go press in to what God has for you and don't miss the covenants of promise. There's a remnant made it. See, we keep on looking at this and we're seeing all the way through this. He keeps on re reiterating uh, that there was a remnant. And those that came, uh, you know, by faith, and it's like the rest were blinded. And so, you know, we come on down through here and talks about then, uh, it, it, it talks about him provoking them to jealousy. Now, let me pick up again in verse 12. It says, Now, if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? In other words, God hasn't left them out. He just drew a bigger circle and said, Listen, man. The only way in is still through Jesus. Remember, we are still on the, uh, uh, the tail part of the rest of the book of Romans that tells us they sought it by works, as it were, and not by faith in Jesus Christ. So he's still giving them the invitation to come into the covenants of promise. How much more they're fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. 
if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some of them, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Again, I think this is really kind of a fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. But again, this resurrection that he's talking about is not the resurrection of nationalism. It's talking about the power of a resurrected life and the newborn experience and the regeneration, bringing them into what is life from the dead. He said, prophesy to the wind and say, breathe on these slain. Can I tell you in Acts chapter 2, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and God breathed, and that all nations that were there began to hear every man speak in his own language. I can tell you it was God giving them mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, as you, if you will. And when the breath of God began to breathe on them, it shook the fig tree with a mighty wind, and natural Israel was removed in the sense of it being ethnic and nationalistic, and God gave birth to the kingdom of God, which is not a nationalistic kingdom. The kingdom of God is the Davidic kingdom that Jesus is now king over. That's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy, and it's located in the Holy Ghost. There's not two kingdoms. There's one kingdom, and that kingdom is Christ's kingdom, and He is presently reigning. He is the seed that God promised that out of the loins of David would come one who would sit on the throne, who would never be dethroned. Jesus is on the throne, never to lose his seat again. And he goes on to say, then, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, I believe that the first fruit that's holy, and the lump that's holy, and the root that's holy is Jesus. I believe that what we're going to see here is the whole chapter in this book called The Great I Am. And I'm going to actually read some from it in my next segment. But if you don't have this book, you need to go right now to my website and order this book or go to Amazon.com because this book has a whole chapter called I Am the True Vine. I Am the True Vine. See, what we don't realize is that Israel is not the vine. They're branches. We are branches. But the, the, the emphasis in Romans 11 is not on the branches. The emphasis is on who is the true vine. And if you are in Him, then you're holy. You're a part of what, you're holy as He is holy. And uh, you, are a, a full, you are a part of that included in Christ that becomes part of the root. He goes on to say, for if the fruit, first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Now he switches and starts talking to his Gentile churches and says, Hey, now, don't get arrogant about this. Don't boast the fact that they've been cut off and that you've been brought in and that you've been included. Because you are not the one that supports the root. The root supports you. In other words, we're putting our emphasis not on what I've done, but on what He did in order to include me. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, 
but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness. If you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. In other words, he's telling you that if they don't, if they're, they're still not rejected in the sense if, if they believe, just like you had to believe it by faith, if they do not continue in unbelief, they'll be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off, if you were cut out of the olive, tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? But remember, that's only if they come in through faith and they stop their unbelief and start to believe the report. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. And once again, the all Israel is the Israel that is Jesus. So the only place that there is salvation, remember, out of Egypt have Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. And Jesus fulfills that prophetic scripture in the gospel when he says, They took Jesus down into Egypt, and when they came back up after the death of Herod, they said, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled out of Egypt, or Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. The son he called out of Egypt, and the Israel of God is Jesus. And so if you are in Christ, all Israel is being saved. And you can see all the way up through here that he talks about a remnant coming in, and some of them that find it by faith, and they're not excluded. God's not cut them off forever. But that once the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, I believe the times of the Gentiles could very possibly be the 40-year transition period from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D. when the old covenant temple was destroyed and God offers it then to the world, because now they don't have the exclusive covenant with Yahweh, the power of the holy people was finally broken, and now both Jew and Gentile are brought in. And it goes on to say, and so all Israel be saved as is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. In other words, God never stopped including calling them. The Spirit and the Bride are always saying, come. Take a look at Revelation 21 and 22. The Bride, the Lamb's Wife, the gates are never shut. Outside the city are dogs and whoremongers and adulterers. And I think one of the adulterers that he's giving invitation back into is apostate Israel, who were the adulterous wife of Yahweh, who are now being included back into the covenants of promise for um uh, well, we're about out of time. Let me just let me just stop with that and pick up in the next segment. If you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, we do need you to help us to take the gospel around the world. The easiest way to do that is scan that QR code that's on the screen, and you will take you directly to a place where you can sow through our portal of PayPal. You can do it with your credit card or your debit card, however you want to do it. You can also send a check or money order to the address that come on the screen, or you can call the number on the screen and someone will take your call. But please do it today. We need your help. God bless you. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.